0: kids, okay? My mistake, my mistake. Um, But we are definitely entering into a different season as most of our kids are going through this confirmation process. And I noticed over the past week, um, my daughter is asking me different kind of questions, which is always good. It kind of reminds me where we're at. Some of your kids are already 16, 17 years old and you guys have already been through some of this. So I decided to do a sermon series that will lead us up and through Pentecost about a journey of faith with Messiah. And today's message um, is identifying our sinful nature because we all have that. We still struggle with it even though we may have Messiah in our life. We struggle in the flesh itself. The next sermon series portion will be focused on different journeys to the cross, how we've come to know Him as our Messiah. The following week, I will um, go with surrendering to His ways and serving Him, which can be totally different than still dedicating your life. There was a different piece of that for me as I entered into uh, ministry and just honoring and striving to glorify His kingdom. Um, And then finally... I'll get in at Pentecost about how the spirit works within us and the biblical transitions and maturing in the faith and how we need that spirit. But today I focus on identifying our sinful nature. Our kids are growing up in homes that are Christian-based, a lot like what I grew up in as well. And so I knew that I was better, I was trying to do better than most And a lot of times, in life itself, people will tell us, well, you're a good person, you're going to go to heaven. But what's the scripture say about that? If you're a good person, do you get to go to heaven? Just because? I don't know. But the first person that you should always turn to in the scripture, whenever as you're getting into it, I want you guys to start to take this faith on as your own. Don't do it because your parents told you to. There's a lot of other religions out there. You may go to one of those. You can talk to your parents about one of those. I was just talking to a senior pastor who helped start several churches in Orange County in L.A., and he comes from Thailand. And he was saying how hard it is to get those people to really identify who Christ is. They, they'll say, yes, we believe in Jesus, but they also believe in the Buddhist. Ways They also believe in the different types of gods that they will worship and put on their altars at home. So we have to go through the scriptures. We encourage you as our kids to start to struggle with them. And so one way that I want you to do that is really to look at what Jesus says. And to back up just a little bit. I was talking to Rebecca. I'm not going to put you through, hey, look at this scripture and this passage, and I'll have you go back and forth and we'll do Bible drills. What I'll do is I'll take you through these passages. Okay. What's Jesus say? Is there a heaven or is there a hell? We believe there is because in Matthew 10, it tells us that Jesus himself identifies in verse 28. It says, do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. Are you supposed to fear any other man on this earth? Or woman? Can they kill your soul? Absolutely not. But, rather fear him who is unable, or who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Okay? Okay. That's the Word of God. That is what Jesus Himself identifies. So, there's several different things in this passage. He says, obviously, there is a hell, There is a place that He ascends to after He rises from the dead. On that 40th day, we're in between that piece, right? He rose from the dead. He witnessed the people for 40 days. But here, He identifies that Yes, there is a possibility of losing your soul and your body. Let me ask you this. We know there's Satan and the demons. They can kill both body and soul if they get you off the right trajectory, which is following Christ. But who else can get you to go that direction? I would encourage you guys to go home and look in a mirror. Only you yourself. Your parents have some probability of being able to get you on the wrong trajectory. But at the end, when you're standing before God, the only person that you can blame other than Satan would be the person standing in that mirror. Okay, As my aunt and uncle have always taught me, take what we teach you, the good, throw out the bad. We tried our best. It's never going to be good enough because we're not perfect. You guys, honestly, you who are growing up in the church, should be a reflection of what we're trying to become and become even better than we are. I can tell you right now, my daughters have made me a better person because I see the reflection in what they do in me. And so... So we know that Satan and ourselves, that that's who can condemn us to hell for all eternity. Now, how does how do we do better? Well, let me tell you. We look over to Exodus thirty two, and that's where, if you guys want to look with me, I'll get to Romans in a little bit. <clears throat> but Exodus thirty two is Moses. Now, before I get there, I'm going to change some of this up so I can show you. You guys all the adults know i like to have things to show you show you and get my examples around right so if somebody told you that you could have all that you wanted to eat and somebody brought you some donuts it wouldn't hurt you would it to have some donuts i don't think it would hurt you to have some muffins and some donuts would it that's okay I'm sure that's not a problem. Right? Would that be okay? Okay. Well, what if somebody came in and said, you know what, I don't think that's, that's not bad. But I want you to go ahead, I want you to indulge in more donuts. And more muffins. And if you still need something, I have some cookies. You like this. But these are a little bit more muffins, because I know everybody loves blueberry. Do you see what's going on here? Am I taking you down a path of healthiness? Because what I really want you to do, this is what Satan will do to you. He will tempt you in all kinds of ways. Now, there's cookies. There's all kinds of sweetness. Out in that world. Okay? Satan says, Hey guys, have all you want. It's up to you. But I have this. Think about Jesus. He went up on that mountain and Satan put all these sweets. He said, you can have the whole world! And Jesus said, it says, Do not tempt the Lord thy God. Right? But Satan says, oh, they, hmm, that, that should be plenty to tempt Trevor. That should be plenty to tempt his daughters. That should be plenty to maybe tempt one or two others at the Disciple Center. And we got to remember, we got to stay within the Word of God. we got to remember what God's Word says. Wait, hold on. Satan's like, no, 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 don't listen to him. No, no. That's not enough for you? Come on. Let's get some candy going on. Okay? Oh, you want some broccoli thrown in there? Something healthy? You see, Satan will tempt us in all these different ways in the world. But Jesus says, who's going to send us to hell? Possibly Satan, tempting us possibly ourselves, if we take go down this path? I'm not saying these are bad. But would one just do? we got to learn how to control those impulses. Okay, in Exodus 32, let me set the stage here. Moses said, only been gone for 40 days. They didn't have the Ten Commandments yet. But yet, here they are, indulging in all this and creating these different gods, this golden calf, right? You remember that? Yeah. only took less than 40 days for them to turn. Now, so a lot of people think of Moses as like a heavenly father or father figure in the Bible. And we see it here in Exodus 32, verse 30. On the next day, Moses said to the people... You yourselves have committed a great sin, and now I'm going up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. Oh, these people. They committed this sin. They didn't even know if probably... Wait, hold on. They must have known. God puts it in our hearts to know right or wrong, to a certain extent as people. How many of you, by a show of hands, that are under the age of 25... Have ever felt guilty for doing something that you thought might be wrong? I have, right? Yeah. They're, they're perfect on this side, apparently, or they're lying. Under 25. No, I'm saying, but I, I don't see any hands from any of the kids, right? I know for a fact that, without a doubt, the Holy Spirit is still working on you if you're in the home of a faithful believer of your parent. Okay? It says that you're under that provision of your parent for a certain extent. You guys will have to choose as you get older. But at the same time, these people should have known not to turn to other gods. But Moses is having to go up here and see if he can make atonement. Then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Alas, the people have committed a great sin, and they have made a God of gold for themselves. See, Moses was having an interaction with God himself. But now, if you will forgive their sin, and if not, so please, Lord, forgive their sin. They've ate all the donuts. They've ate all this other stuff. They committed this great sin. But if not, <clears throat> blot me out of your book which you have written. There is a book with your name. It's written in pencil right now. Your parents' name is written in ink. As you get older, you will decide whether or not it will be erased. Because look, this next verse says it all. The Lord said to Moses, you see, Moses was trying to be that in-between. Your parents should be that in-between with you and God. The Lord said to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will blot him out of my book. doesn't say your parent. This will become your choice. But go now. So in other words, Look, I'm making this straight. This is about you. But go now. Lead the people where I told you. Behold, my angels shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I punish, I will punish them for their sins. Not your parents. Your parents have their own problems. Trust me. I have my own problem as a pastor. I'm more accountable than your parents. But they can see those struggles. I can see those struggles of my daughters. If it's my sin, I need to correct that sin. Because I don't want them to struggle with it. But what what does it say right there? It says that, Moses, I'll deal with them as it comes. And I will hold them accountable, not you. And I will blot them out if they don't turn to me. Thank God there is a Savior that can change everything. And I'll get to that next week. But that's still our hope this week, no matter what happens. So, we're going to go through some of the things that tells us, Hey, maybe you eat one of these. That may be one of those. But if I eat three of these and five of these, am I going to get a tummy ache? Probably. I'm definitely not going to feel good in about an hour. It may taste really good at the moment. Do you guys get that? It tastes really good at the moment. Man, my desires, it's all about that. But do we live by what our emotions tell us? Do we live by what we see? Wow, that's tempting. No, we live by what God says. And God tells us, I love this passage in Exodus 20, because it lays it out for us. I was just listening to some pastors this week talk about how the Ten Commandments help guide us. There's 613 commandments that help guide us. It's good to get into these ten, because they kind of branch off into the 613. But did you know there's not just, you shall not." You shall not. There's also, you should do this. It's called a sin that you commit, a sin that you're not doing as well. Let's read through this a little bit. Exodus 20 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You see, He didn't bring us, we're not Israelites, but He has helped join us because we were and are of the world. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them. You see how it's going right here? You shall not. You shall not. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That is saying, hey, I did this, but you know God told me to. Watch out now, because He says right there in verse 7, the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. So if you're still proclaiming to be a follower of the living God and you are doing something you shouldn't, you want to look for his spanking. How many of you like spankings? How many of you like to be disciplined? How many like consequences? No? I like consequences to tell you the truth. Because it shows that he's still my daddy. He's still my father. If you don't have a loving father that doesn't consequence you, come talk to me. Because I need to go get on to your father. I need to go get on to your parent. Because we love you so much that we make sure you stay within those boundaries. Okay? Remember what I just said? You shall not eat all these donuts. You shall not eat all these muffins. You shall not eat all this because I know it will hurt you. But what else did I say? There's sins of omission as well. And it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Hmm. Interesting. Six days you shall labor and do no work. We just read this a little bit earlier. The next one! Another one. You shall honor your father and your mother that... Is a blessing. There's so many blessings if you follow what God says. It will, you will have a longer life if you follow what God says. What you do, what you shouldn't do. Okay. Now, does this all go away once you become a believer? What once you follow Christ? I wish I could say it would, <clears throat> but let's let's go over here to Matthew 25. 31 to 46. This is where Jesus, He gives a great parable. And He's talking about helping those in need. Those who help are blessed and those who enter into, think they're going to heaven. What what do you think happens if they didn't help other people in need? You get to heaven and Jesus may say, wait, you didn't help anybody. You didn't do what I said. Help those in need. Pray for those who are struggling. If you have the means to help them, help them. Jesus here uses this, and it says Matthew 25, 31 through 46. Make sure I'm in the right one. <clears throat> 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on the glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him. You're part of the nations. You're part of the California nation. Part of the United States nation, right? We're part of the Gentiles. All the nations will be gathered to Him. He will separate them from one another. As a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, He will put sheep on His right and the goats on the left. Which one you you like that verse? You want to be known as sheep or goats? Which one do you want to be? You want to be a sheep? You want to be the goat? I kind of want to be the sheep in this passage, let me tell you. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I haven't seen people running around naked. Have you guys seen people running around naked? I haven't seen that. But if they were, I should probably give them some clothes. Don't you think? That would probably be good. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now, we don't do that here, but there are prison ministries out there. God can work on somebody's heart and their soul and want to go behind those locked gates and to witness to those in prison. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or feed you, or thirsty, and give you something to drink? This is a humble attitude. Lord, when did we do this? We didn't see you. We may have seen the guy on the street. We may have seen the woman over here, and we helped him, but we didn't see you. When did we see you sick, or in prison, and come to you? The king will answer to say to them, Truly I say to you, To the extent you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, get this, so, if you're not helping those, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. Listen. After you eat all these, don't you think you're going to want something to drink? And if you're parched and you're like, Pastor Trevor, uh, I'm thirsty. You think I'm not going to try to find some water, some milk. I want these with milk. I don't know about you guys. I want this with milk. Chocolate chip and milk. Right? And if I have that milk, I'll give you the milk. But if all I have is water, I'll give you water. But... You gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Or thirsty or a stranger or naked? Sick or in prison? Did not take care of you. When did we do that? He will answer them, Truly I say to you, To the extent that you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Another reason I know that hell and heaven are real is because this passage points to that. Many, many other passages also point to that. But another reason I also know that our daughters and our sons and those who are older have went through this process or they're starting to have those questions is I sat there the other day and Rebecca asked me a question about where did God come from? Right? Where does... Does He have a father and a mother? I said, no. He just always has been. Some of these questions will never be answered. They're great questions because I've often asked them myself. Just like, what's eternity? That's a hard one. Forever and ever. If somebody says they have an answer for you, send them my way. I'd love to talk to them. Because that is hard to fathom. You see, these questions start to show that you are maturing, not just in your mind, but also in your faith. Because you're struggling with them. Just as many of us have also struggled through the years. So we have the Torah that helps to guide and direct us. We have these passages of Scripture that show us what we should be doing. But do they really go away? We're going to turn over to Romans 7. I don't want to go too much longer. But what I want you as young people in this church to see and to notice is Paul's already a follower of Christ. Paul's struggling in the flesh. There is a sense in the flesh, you guys have done pretty good so far today, to not run up here and get this stuff. Right? Because you know it's not appropriate. But, right after service, I'm going to put it out there and you guys can have some. Is that good? Yes. People are still awake. I love this. I'm going to have you guys in here every time I preach because I I get that facial reaction. I get this, yeah, I just need to bring sweets. Is that what it is? Okay. My own daughter... Yes, bring sweets. I triggered you. Okay. You're already salivating. I love this. You're salivating for the Word of God, aren't you? Not for the donuts. Or the goodies. (laughs) Alright. Romans. Chapter 7. My paper got lost. Oh, there go the jingles. Two, three. A portion of it is gone, but that's okay. We, I'll only go an extra half an hour. No, I won't do that. No, we'll be at lunch here in a little while. All right. Therefore, my brethren, you also were made to die to the law through the body of Christ, so that you might be joined to another... To him who was raised from the dead, in order that we might bear fruit for God. Pick up on this as I read this, younger ones. He's struggling in the flesh to go back and forth. His mind and his soul are trying to go for God. They want to do one thing. But the flesh and his mouth are wanting what's going on here on earth. For while we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in the members of our body, bearing fruit for death. You see he's saying here, I desire to do away with what my flesh wants. I desire to fast for God and pray for these people, but the devil keeps putting these donuts and everything in front of me. Right? Paul's telling us right there. <clears throat> He's struggling with this. But now we have been released from the law. Having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. We shall... What shall we say then? What shall we say then? Is the Torah sin? Is the book that God has given us sin? Paul says, May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the Torah. I would have not I would not have known about coveting unless the Torah had not said it. You see, a lot of times we don't know what's sin, but we have to read what God's word says about that peace. So, we see it here. God's Word says, You shall not covet. Hmm. So, therefore, if we covet, it becomes sin. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. Far, For apart from the Torah, sin is dead. You see, those people way back when, they were already creating the gold idol before they had the commandments, which was still a sin. But now that they have it, they can know whether or not to go for it or actually be guided by God's Word. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. So, in other words, when I recognize what God's Word says, man, let me tell you, it gets even harder. If I said, Hezekiah, I have something even better for you. Do you like steak? Yeah? Steak's a good one? Okay. I have something even better for you. We'll go out and we'll have a steak if you will just deny this piece. That'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? What would you rather have? Where would you rather go? Tell me a place, your favorite place. Wood Ranch. Wood Ranch. So if I said, we'll go to Rued Ranch, you can order whatever you want, but you got to deny this right now. No problem. no problem. From Randy, you're a ventriloquist. Okay? That's exactly what God is saying. There is heaven, and that's where we're going. That's where we're heading. But, man, God, I am here in the flesh, and that stuff looks really good right now. You see... If that's going to happen, the only way that we can make it through it is by turning to the one and only. We have to ask the Spirit to dwell within us. We have to ask the Lord to get us through these circumstances and continue to look to the hope of all eternity. That's exactly what Paul says towards the end of this. He says right there in verse 24, I'm going to jump through there. This is a good passage for all the parents to go through with their kids. But in verse 24 he says, Wretched man that I am! Who will set me free from this body of death? This body that wants all this sweetened stuff. Thanks be to God. Through His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So then, on the one hand, I myself with my mind and serving the law of God. But on the other, my flesh and the law of sin. You see, as we go through life, we're going to have these struggles in the flesh because we want to have these sweets. We want to have that raise at work. We want to have whatever it is. And if we give in to that and go against what God is saying for your life, for my life, then we're likely just to get that need met at that moment. And it may not even be a need. It may be just a want. And we have surpassed all the blessings that God has in store for us. And in the same time, let me tell you this. If I'm an airplane, ooh, ooh, Miss Robin and Mr. Mike get on to me for this. But if Satan puts that out in front of me, And I'm supposed to stay on this path here. He's going to put another one over here. And he's going to put another one over here. And before I know it, I'm way over here. He's going to keep tempting me. He does not. Satan does not want us on the trajectory towards heaven. So if he can get us off course just a little bit, he will take us to China. He will take us towards His kingdom and not the heavenly kingdom. So I want to make sure that I'm presenting to you guys the gospel because Jesus is the one. If you, I don't care if you get all the way over here and you're outside of God's bounds, there is always going to be a way back. All you have to do if you're over here is turn back and your parents are going to be there for you. I will be there for you. And I will help you get back on the trajectory towards heaven. Christ did that for each and every one of us. And in that same way that Paul continued to struggle in the flesh, no, I'm not better than Paul. Your parents aren't better than Paul. Nobody puts themselves on a pedestal as Paul. But he, right there in that passage, is saying he's struggling in the flesh. But there is the guidance. And that's what your parents are there for. To help guide you as you become teenagers. To help guide you. Trust them. Don't have an attitude of a teenager. It doesn't have to happen. I tell people all the time, your kids don't have to think that you know it all because you can tell them you don't, but you've been through quite a bit. Be a smart person. Don't have to go through the sinful troubles and trials that some kids have to. I had to. I might get into that a little bit next week. But I was able to come back because I turned it around. I want you guys to know there's going to be struggles, but yet we can work through it together as a family in Christ, and Christ will always get you back. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.